Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. As a reminder, we're in week four of a series on Redeemer's core values in week one of Advent. That's not too confusing. We'll try to connect them. And what it means, this series, is what it means to be an everyday monk. That is, how do we cultivate a life that's pointed and directed toward God? How can our hearts be shaped to be single-minded toward God? And how do we do that here at Redeemer Anglican Church? Gary spoke on tradition, these roots that ground us and give us stability. I think many find the draw to Anglicanism in this theme. We're carried collectively in our historical consciousness, in our participation with the saints across all ages and across all lands, in our habits together that shape us. We come into the church and we go from observing to participating. This is the way we sort of enter in through the nave into the narthex, or in, through the narthex into the nave and into the sanctuary. We're participating together. Last week, Father Colby spoke on hospitality, our second core value, the love of the stranger. Here we go from being strangers to becoming family. Since Christ has welcomed us, we welcome one another for the glory of God. And to truly welcome others, we need the margin, the space in our lives to do that, to make these intentional commitments to care for others. This is the way we maybe reach out to others in the world. And today we have formation in view. If the beauty of tradition draws us in, where we join our voices together, and the goodness of hospitality takes us out into the ground and gardening and provision, caring for the needy and stranger, binding the wounds of the sick or ailing the pains of the dying, then formation is the wing we go to study. We want to grow from a shallow faith to a deep faith. We want to grow. Jesus prayed for his disciples, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Christianity then is about being a true people. Faith-seeking understanding in the words of St. Augustine. It's in this wing we take responsibility for our sins and for our growth. No one can do this for us. Over 20 years ago, Old Testament scholar Ellen Davis commented on the decline of Christianity in the West. And the stats haven't increased since from 20 years ago. She wrote, It's a call we cannot afford to ignore. Nostalgia is not likely to carry the Western church beyond another generation or two. Ordinary Christians must now practice talking about our faith studying seriously, teaching our children just what it means to be Christian. This call for monastic life is not fear or nostalgia. It's deeply rooted in hope that we want to seek God's face together, that we want to be faithful to those who came before us and for those who come after us in passing on this gospel message. It's a running toward Christ not running away from the world. I fear many of us assume that formation will ha happen by a sort of osmosis. As if we'll wake up one day 20 years from now and somehow magically be more mature, magically be more patient, magically grow in the scriptures. 
that our children will maybe just one day turn 18 and suddenly know what the Bible says because they went to church for an hour or two each week. Perhaps many of us have been formed in a Christianity which makes no real demands. We imagine we can live a nice American middle-class life and just sprinkle Jesus in when it fits. We have the same rhythms, commitments, and values of the world, and we fit church in when it's convenient. Christianity, then, is more of a hobby than a commitment or way of life. And I think that's a bad bet. And I think you know that's a bad bet. Because Jesus makes demands on our lives. And the thing about his demands, though, is that they bring life and abundant joy. Joy to the full, is what Jesus says. So in line with Dr. Davis, we need to be, be ordinary Christian, everyday monks, intentional about cultivating a formative and holistic lives for ourselves and our family. Nostalgia can only go so far. We must take this wing of the church, this kind of setup of the church, this intellectual architecture, we call it, this studying and teaching, we have to take this seriously. And it may require reordering our lives a little bit. The heartbeat of the church is formation and community. So we gather every week and we hear the word, we see the word, we taste the word, we sing the word, and we do that together. We join our voices in this participation. That's the heartbeat. However, the way the heartbeat remains healthy and keeps its vitality is by each member of the body being healthy. It's a call to individual formation. Here's the truth. Everything we do in the world is formative. Nothing is neutral. In other words, more than the actions we do, our actions do something to us. The novelist and agnostic David Foster Wallace realized a similar dynamic. In a commencement, a famous commencement address to Kenyon College, he says that everyone worships. We are worshiping beings, all of us. Whether you say you believe in something or not, you worship. Worship power, you'll always feel weak. Worship your intellect, you'll always, being seen as smart, you'll always feel dumb. Worship money and you'll never have enough. The value of learning and study and formation in this way is considering who are you worshiping really? What do you worship? And will what you worship really bring the fulfillment you seek? In his book, Desiring the Kingdom, Jamie Smith calls the shopping mall a modern temple. It's architecture, right? You think about a shopping mall. Its architecture is shaped like a medieval church. You enter in, and there's no windows. There's this mystique of what's going on inside. You'll find no clock here in this temple, only overhead windows, so that all time's the same. And it's made for us to lose track of time. Rather than stained glass windows, which shows the saints to emulate these models for us to pursue. In the mall, we have an alternative view of the good life in the stained glass windows, which are mannequins in the newest technology. This is what will make you happy. This is a good life. He goes on to describe an athletic event or a college experience or even the nation's capital. 
along the same lines. We could imagine the Apostle Paul coming to America, America as he did to ancient Greece and say, you are a very religious people. And it's not because we have lots of churches, but it's because we have lots of worship, be that sports or nation or nightlife. Even if we don't consciously, re consciously reflect on formation, it's happening. You are being formed all the time, every day, in mundane and unnoticed ways. So as we enter this formation wing of the monastery today, we typically, in a, in a typical English monastery, with which we're kind of modeling this intellectual architecture, we have a monk's cell where he goes for private formation. We have a library where he would read. We have chapter rooms where maybe women would hear uh, the saints of the past words of wisdom from history. This is the place we think intentionally about what's forming us and why. In the tradition wing of the monastery, we may not have all the time to think, right? This sanctuary. This is, this is not primarily intellectual formation, right? We don't have 45-minute sermons, for example, right? Probably you're saying, praise God. So we need space to consider who do we want to be? God feeds us in the tradition, and now we want to know how do we make sense of our union with Christ and with one another in the Eucharist? Paul, in the Corinthian passage we read, we read today, thanks God for the knowledge that the Corinthian church was enriched by, and that this knowledge leads to an abundance of gifts, so they are not lacking for any gift. Do we care to pursue Jesus this intentionally, this wholeheartedly, this committedly? Do we want to know him? then we need to have time for private reflection, for the study of the word, for attending St. Aidan's, for going to spiritual formation hour, that this stuff really matters. It's not like an opt-in, like, well, maybe we'll get that one day. This is important for our consideration of what do you worship. Beauty captivates us, compels us. I think this is why we, we love the Anglican tradition, this beautiful wing of the church where we're drawn in but the outflow of this beauty is the compulsion towards truth, knowing the beautiful God who saves us. And the, set, the other value, hospitality, that ex we extend the beautiful welcome for others where we say, come, come know this beautiful God. Formation and hospitality are the natural outflow of a tradition faith. This is the fourth week of the series, and it's also the first week of Advent, which is another good time for intentional reflection. Jesus is coming. In light of this truth, how should we live? How do we prepare for the arrival of Jesus? Knowing the one who was and who is and is to come, how should we prepare for his arrival? How are we going to be formed in such a way that we can remain a hopeful people in the midst of a fearful world? What is the formation of hope look like? Advent's a time to prepare to answer that question every year. It's a time cons to consider the year, right? This is the, the first week of the year in the Christian calendar. You say, what burdens, what weights, what sins have been piled on us that we need to maybe make some space? We need to, we've slowed down, consider, 
and prepare, make room in our hearts as, as Mary's womb is making room for the Christ child, so our hearts are making room for the return of Christ. Here's the reality that Advent sets before us. And you'll, you'll, you've heard this in the weeks past in kind of the pre-Advent after All Saints Day. There's been these apocalyptic passages in the Old Testament. And here's the reality. There will be judgment. I don't like to talk about that very much. I'm sorry, but there will be judgment. Sin will be judged. And that's bad news for us, right? Because other truth, we have sin. Moreover, as Isaiah said, even our righteousness is like filthy rags. And I don't think we get the gospel that even in our goodness, the best act we've ever, ever, ever did is stained with our own selfish sinful motives. That our righteousness is like filthy rags, like garbage. The best we got filthy rat. Sometimes, maybe most times, we like to think we can make sin go away by pretending it's not there. And Advent has this time to consider sin is there. Sin is in our hearts. And what are we going to do with it? If God is judging sin, then we're in trouble. So it seems like well, maybe we should be fearful people. We are in dire need of help. And the gift of Advent is knowing that help is on the way. We need help, and the good news is that God helps those who wait for him. God helps those who wait. As the apostle writes, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, Guiltless, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God will sustain us guiltless, even with our sin, even with our righteousness, our best works like filthy rags. God will sustain us guiltless. Isn't that amazing? You have sin. Your righteousness will never meet the standard of God. And God looks down and says, guiltless to those who trust him, who are called to the fellowship of his son. And if you have fellowship with his son, then you're found in Christ Jesus, that Christ takes our sin and gives us Christ's righteousness so that when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ, guiltless to the end. And the reason for our hope then is not our own righteousness, the reason for our hope is not our own goodness, that we can look out and say, you know what, I'm better than these other people. I'm more committed. I'm more devoted. I don't do as much bad stuff as my neighbors. That's not our hope. That's reason for fear. Here's our hope, that God is faithful. At the end of the day, formation is not about some effort we put forth. It's not about how much we go or grow or learn from God. It's about God being faithful. And as Peter says, then we wait and we hasten. Our waiting does not preclude our work. They go together. So in the meantime, we're on guard in the gospel passage. Jesus tells us to keep awake. We wait and we watch. Because we know that God is working as we wait. 
He is faithful. Amen. would stand with me and join me in the prayer book on page 127 as we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten the Father, God from God, light from light, through God through God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through Him all things remain. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven, was incarnate in the Holy Spirit, the Virgin Mary, who was made man, for our sake, who was crucified in the Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world. invite you to take a posture of prayer as you are able. Let us pray for the church 